Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Well, Mike, we're back to... uh separate cities recording here yeah where are you right now for the audience i'm in the marriott uh <laughs> but next to the los angeles airport all right so. and i'm at the i'm at the home base in madison here so we're yeah we're different time zones again this yeah. doesn't happen too often no and the last time we were here wendy we were here to well, i was here we were here together and we were visiting our friend getting married at a doctor who convention yep and that was incredible right that was pretty sweet so that was a nice memory, and uh, it was an interesting story to tell the people I was with. Oh, yeah. So tell everybody why you're there now. Oh, yeah. I'm in uh, California. I went to the NAM convention, the National Association of Music Merchants, uh, where they show off the latest and greatest in music technology. And That's so fun. Yeah, it's right next to it's at the Anaheim Convention Center, which is across the street from Disneyland. So um, I basically yeah. went to Musicians Disneyland. Uh, this weekend and just checked out all the new new instruments and interesting things and anything that might have an occult or paranormal um, twist uh, I put some stuff on the <laughs> I put some stuff on the blog so you see a couple articles yeah. on the blog you did a great job Mike I Thank gotta you. say um, <laughs> you were probably the only person there that was looking for that particular angle I know I was the only person <laughs> looking for that particular angle it was, it was funny you know it's like some people are like oh yeah I want to check out the newest technology and I'm like I want to check out guitars that have zombies on them right <laughs> and you did find quite a few so yes. I have to have to salute you for that yeah so if you guys want to see some of that you can just check out othersidepodcast.com that's in all the uh, we have blog articles in addition to podcasts and, that's right um, and if you guys have any stories or anything interesting out there uh, just send us an email at show at othersidepodcast.com and we'll take a look at any articles you think are cool or comment on them or anything like EVP to analyze or something like that. Uh, that's something we're starting up this year. So it's interesting new things on Other Side Podcast besides just the podcast this year. Definitely. So there's other exciting things happening. It is Monday, January 25th right now. Yes, and it is. that means that last night was the premiere of the new season of X-Files. Yeah. And, and shockingly, neither of us <laughs> were able to watch it last night. So because awesome. I was out on this trip, I was still talking to people and having fun. And so I, I missed the premiere of the X-Files last night. And one of the reasons I didn't make the time to watch it out here is uh, my wife told me that if I watched it without her, uh, she would murder me. <laughs> okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> well, the reason, reason I didn't see it was because I was being a good podcast producer and i was working on this episode of see you on the other side it's going to be my reward once i um post it here for everybody to to listen to then i get to watch the x-files right once the once the show goes up and when i get back tonight (laughs) that's the first thing i'm doing is putting it on exactly so we'll look forward to checking that out and then hopefully next week we'll be able to share yeah well after we watch it we may even see if there's a couple of real life paranormal cases that, um, that inspired the latest episodes. I mean, everything that's happened since the X-Files went off the air, I mean, that was 14 years ago now that it went right. off the air. So a lot of paranormal stuff has happened in those 14 years. I mean, plus the conspiracies of 
uh, September 11th. We've had two wars since then. Like, I'm, I can't... A lot of things to, to, to write scripts off of. Yes, I can't wait to see what has inspired them. Uh, so that's... Can't, looking forward to watching that. As soon as I touch down in... Uh, I'd say lovely Madison, Wisconsin, but uh, is it how's it? Is it's it cold this cold. week? Cold. I mean, when I, when I left a week ago, it was negative six. Well, actually, um, it was very warm this weekend. I went running on Saturday, and it was about thirty degrees. Okay, so that's that was, not bad. I mean, I only had to wear two layers, so I was <laughs> yeah. quite pleased with that. <laughs> well, I was running in it was like 63, 64 degrees, and then people, you know, here were saying like, "Oh, yeah, it's a little bit cold," and I'm like. <laughs> No, it's it's pretty good. Like <laughs> right. I, I think it's pretty good. I'll take it. All right. Well, while you were out in California mm-hmm. enjoying all the musical instruments and looking for uh, occult-inspired ones, yes, I interviewed a paranormal researcher. Very cool. So, I guess you know we can get right into the interview. Should we check it out? I think we should. Hello, everyone. Today, I am very excited for the opportunity to talk to a paranormal investigator from the Midwest, in fact, just next door in the state of Minnesota. He uses research and scientific methodology to seek out the truth around paranormal claims. Welcome to the show, Matt Gesso. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm just excellent, thanks, although a little bit cold. But I think the Midwest, we're getting out of this cold snap finally, so... We are. Yes. Yesterday and today is a stark difference. Yes. Yes. We've been experiencing sub-zero temperatures for, for those of you not in the Midwest or the areas in that cold freeze. And it's been pretty nasty. It's been very, like, stay inside, run to the car, run to the next... <laughs> destination and keep the skin out of the cold. (laughs) Where I do a lot of my research and where I broadcast my weekly periscope, I nickname that the Paracave. It is a detached, insulated, and heated garage. Oh, that's cool. Going back and forth from the house to the garage can get (laughs) quite... I'm guessing it's a fast trip between. It is. It is. Very fast. (laughs) Well, um, let's dive right into it. You're a paranormal investigator, which is very exciting for us here at See You on the Other Side. It's kind of one of our favorite things. Um, Well, the paranormal being one of our favorite things. Could you tell me a little bit about what that means being a paranormal investigator? Sure. Absolutely. Um, What I do is um, uh, when cases are referred to me, There is a claim has been made that uh, something has happened that is beyond the realm of someone's understanding. Um, I refer to them at that point as my client. Okay. So uh, my client uh, has seen an apparition, heard a voice. a faucet has turned on or off. Um, we can talk specifically later about some some stories. Um, and what what I do then is um, I will contact them initially uh, uh, back and forth via email and then by telephone and gather information about what's happening. Okay. And and um, I create a file and I start gathering information and I determine whether or not an in-home investigation is needed. Okay. 
So just like any kind of um, investigator, I guess like a crime scene investigator or something, but instead yeah. of a crime scene, it's it's a scene of something unexplained or yes. unanswered. Correct. Okay. Correct. I also also specialize in in uh, electronic voice phenomenon. So oh, great. Sometimes, sometimes I am sent audio that someone someone has recorded themselves, and uh, I will uh, listen to that and um, break that down. Okay. Uh, for, for a client. EVPs are something that we're very excited about and we've talked about many times on this show. Um, so you sure. do part of the analysis of the EV- EVP? I do. Okay. Uh, I run those through um, several uh, different software programs and try to uh, capture disembodied voices if I can. Okay. That's always an interesting topic because... Everybody wants to try to record an EVP or catch something, but I think uh, a lot of times once we get the recording and then we sit down to do the analysis, it's it's a pretty technical and it's a very tedious process, I think, because a lot of times you have a lot of footage or whatever you call it, audio <laughs> to go through. It is. It's uh, You have to be extremely patient. Uh, you have to be extremely... Um, uh, you, you have to... you. You have to be very um, specific uh, about the environment uh, with your client as to what is uh, what is going on in the environment. If you were not there, um, you have to get all the information and gather that uh, from them so that you can figure out and get a good picture in your head as to what was going on while you do your analysis. I see. So EVPs are a very interesting science, I think. But before we get too much into the the science and the tools that you use, I'm really mm-hmm. curious because paranormal research is not, you know, an everyday kind of field that somebody chooses to go into. And most of us have had experiences with unexplained things. But I'm curious as to what initially got you interested in this this field. Did you have an experience? You, you know, uh, when I was uh, five years old, um, I was uh, sitting on uh, my uncle's lap and we were watching the movie The Exorcist. Mm. And uh, I was I was scared, scared to death. That's and, a scary one. Uh, I, yes. And I I needed to use the bathroom and, and it was at the top of the stairs and, and I couldn't go and, and I had an accident and I was asked to, to go sit on in the porch while the rest of the movie went. And I, I was determined at that point that, uh, I wasn't going to be scared anymore by that. So really, uh, in the back of my head from that point forward, I always had a curiosity and I was not going to let any of that scare me. So Whenever I had an opportunity, uh, when I was in a library, if I ever saw a book or anything on that, I always picked it up and read about it. So as far as getting into the actual field of it, that, that came, that came kind of on accident, but, uh, my interest came at a very young age. Very, I would say that's, that's impressive as such a young child to, to be so determined about something, but 
It's yeah. also very intelligent to be able to, at that age, say it takes the the scariness away from it if you can look at the science. Correct. Yes. It was the same uh, with uh, uh, being afraid to fly. Um, the way I got over my fear of flying was I studied how uh, an airplane worked mm-hmm. um, and how, uh, you know, how airplanes were able to fly uh, and you know how lift and how drag and how yaw and how, how all of that worked once i had a good understanding of how airplanes worked and 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 how all of that worked my fear went away and so it seemed to me yeah. that the more information i had the less fear i had yeah definitely i could understand that for sure it's a good parallel there <laughs> yeah. yeah so so fast forwarding from your youth to when you first started actually maybe going on investigations or, or actually starting to collect evidence for investigations. Um, do you remember what one of your first ones was or, or the first interesting one? I do. Uh, I was, uh, I had a friend, uh, whose, uh, uh, parents, uh, the, uh, the mother had an experience in the home and the, uh, the father had asked that we uh, uh, that we uh, do an investigation to take away her fear. Okay. And he knew that I had been. He always saw that I had had books in my hand, that that you know, uh, <laughs> normal books in my hand, um, and so they were uh, rather wealthy. So he bought uh, all the equipment um, necessary for an investigation. And we can, we conducted our first investigation there in that home. And, um, then that, that became the first, uh, team I was on. Um, because after that investigation, uh, she, told her friends about it and and the information we had found and and word of mouth went out oh that's really but, cool uh, yeah it was my very first paranormal investigation was one of the most active wow okay so um i was just gonna say that i i take it it was a successful investigation but i'm not even sure what a successful investigation would <laughs> would be defined as it's it's defined differently but i think probably by by every uh, investigator mm-hmm. um in my definition a successful investigation would be uh uh whatever your client uh, your client's objective is to meet that objective mm-hmm. yeah because i i can imagine in some cases a person might want you to experience the same thing they did just to prove that they're not imagining it or, you know, seeing something. Um, But then in other cases, people might want you to prove that it's, (laughs) it's not there (laughs) or that it was something else. Is this my mom? um, It's just my mom that's here. Yeah. Um, Is she the one she always uh, used to sit in this chair and, uh, this this chair uh, this chair keeps moving. Mm-hmm. So is it my mom that's sitting in this chair. So uh, I would ask my client, "Is that your objective? Then uh, do you uh, your objective and and do you want your mom to 
leave? I or see. are you comfortable with your mom staying? Yeah. And uh, so then we go about um, and being a, a freelance paranormal investigator. What's nice is uh, I get to pick and choose the members of that of whatever team that that I take with me on a specific investigation. Uh, the team that I bring in, I will let them know that this is the objective. And so, if if indeed uh, they are comfortable with living with their mom in this house, then our goal is to try to capture um, evidence that this is to the prove. mother in the chair. Yeah. Okay. So what other types of professionals do you work with then? Are they typically people in your same line that, you know, use the, the EVPs and the other types of um, scientific tools or, or other methods? Great question. Um, I, I, I work with other paranormal investigators quite a bit. Um, uh, I recently worked with a mysticologist, hmm. which was unique. Um, What's that? Mysticologist is it, it was the the first time I had ever worked with anyone with that title. Yeah, that's um, an interesting title. <laughs> yeah, she works mainly with dark energy, um, and yeah, she um, works a lot with um, with uh, demons. With um, they 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 find her. Wow, um, she's brave. <laughs> yeah, well, she's they they just have. Uh, she is very brave. They they find her, um, mm-hmm. and they they come to her, um, and they sometimes have you know physically attacked her. Sometimes, Yikes. Um, she worked on opening, uh, not opening, but uh, closing portals and okay. um, house clearings and oh, things of I that. See. Like exorcism type type of. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Yep. And she's, uh, she knows about, uh, uh, I learned a lot from her about, um, she, she uh, was telling me that it takes, um, um, so many years to, uh, in, in her belief system, it takes so many years to die. Uh, she was saying that Hitler just recently crossed over. Oh, wow. So he's been, floating around in, yeah. in between. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's did. a scary thought. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, um, you know, uh, so she has, she's a very, very interesting person. So I've worked with, um, with her. She's a mysticologist. I've worked with psychics, mediums, and, um, um, remote viewers, oh, cool. uh, which, um, that uh, that uh, don't need to be anywhere near the location. Okay. That uh, that uh, have helped me just via telephone. Um, uh, demonologists, uh, members of the clergy. Wow. You know, it, <laughs> it's a good variety of of people. So you've got yeah. you've got the dream team of investigators there. <laughs> Dude, my my uh, I like to when I send out. Uh, my my greeting. Um, I, I I like to tell people that I work with a large network of professionals. Okay, that's how I put it. That makes sense. And I noticed that you work with the website 
paranormal societies? Yes. Yes. So how did you get involved with that? Uh, I, Twitter. Um, I found uh, Bill Wilkins, the the founder of Paranormal Societies. Um, we met on Twitter, and oh. um, what uh, Paranormal Societies um, they uh, they uh, if you are a par- paranormal investigator, uh, you can register your um, uh, you have to. Uh, be approved, uh, mm-hmm. but you can re- register your uh, team or yourself as an investigator with paranormal societies. Or if you're having a um, a haunting, you can um, or paranormal experience, you can also um, uh, and the the uh, the people that register they they register on paranormal list. Um, and if you're having an experience, you go to paranormal societies and you fill out um, a haunting assistance request. Ah, okay. What happens is that is handed out um, geographically throughout the United States to a, a, uh, a paranormal team that is uh, close by to your location. So if you live in in Biloxi, uh, Mississippi, mm-hmm. you're having, uh, an experience, um, you can email, uh, uh, paranormal societies.com and, uh, uh, give them details of, of your, um, of your experience that will then go, uh, into his database and it will be then sent out to uh, a team that is local to the Biloxi area. Got it. So it's a resource for people who are like searching for help. (laughs) It's an internet Rolodex of uh, paranormal investigators and for people that are uh, looking for, for, um, uh, uh, for a haunting assistance. Mm -hmm. Yes. They, uh, that's a place where they can go as well. And that's where I, uh, obtain a lot of my casework from Bill Wilkins has been absolutely wonderful to me. And, uh, so that's, a, a not a shameless plug. Uh, yeah. uh, it's, I, 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 he's, uh, he's, he's a really, really nice guy. That's great. And I noticed that you mentioned that you, you do not charge for your services too. So that's also kind of speaks to, to the integrity of what you're doing. Yes. And I've, I've, uh, like other investigators have turned down money, um, many, many times, uh, there's no charge and there should be no charge for Mm -hmm. it. Uh, people that get involved in this, do it out of, uh, uh, do it out of the kindness of their heart to help people that are going through something and we do it because we have um, some uh, somewhat of an, an understanding a little bit greater than they do of sure. the paranormal. And we try to help walk, walk them through that. Um, we've, we've uh, um, over the, over time we've, we've uh, obtained equipment. Um, we've uh, spent time doing this. And so we, uh, um, we do it out of the kindness of our heart. We do not charge for it. There are teams out there that are now 
charging for it and they are giving you know the the good guys yeah and it's really sad it is very sad because you know that's something that we always kind of worry about in these cases because you know someone is going through something incredibly difficult that they're sometimes embarrassed or ashamed to even talk about because they don't want to be labeled as weirdo or you know crazy or something so for people to go and and take advantage of that by by charging or you know a, a lot of times you don't know i mean i guess i could understand charging i know it takes time and resources and things like that but um but sometimes you just have to really be cautious because people are desperate the, for answers and it's just... Absolutely. And, and now a, a psychic, uh, for instance, there, there are psychics that, that do charge for their services and uh, that, that's, or a tarot card reader and that's mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. than a paranormal investigator. That's completely different. Yeah, and, yeah. But if I bring a psychic in, I still don't charge. Okay. I bring in I bring in psychics that that do it um, that do it free of charge. Wow. So, okay. um, but there are psychics out there that do charge for their services, and they're upfront about it. Yeah. But but as far as paranormal investigators, um, they um, they they have not and will not. Uh, Char- and, and when these, when this big fad of, mm-hmm. of, of uh, the, <laughs> and, and I read your article on, on too many, too many ghost hunters. Oh yeah. And I did a periscope about it. Oh, to cool. be honest oh, with cool. you, I, uh, I do a periscope uh, every Sunday at five o'clock oh. central time. Um, uh, it's at Matt Gesso on periscope. Um, Excellent. Or you can search Matt Jesso on Periscope. Okay. Uh, every five o'clock on Sunday, and and last Sunday was about truth, and specifically my truth. And one of the things that I did was talk about uh, truth and and talk about expectations. And and one of the things that prompted me to do that was was reading your article. Oh wow! Well, thanks. <laughs> on too many ghost hunters. And, and for one of the first things I said is if there are too many, first of all, I'm guilty because <laughs> I, I am one of them. Um, mm-hmm. but I do believe that the fad will just like any other fad will go away. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The true professionals will rise, will stick <laughs> rise to the top. They'll, they'll stick around. And, yeah. um, the, uh, the ones that are charging, I have found that, you know, I've, I've, I've heard the story more than once. Uh, a paranormal team has come in, charged money, um, and accomplished nothing. Uh, yeah. And it's, it always seems to be the same theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, when you're doing it for free and out of the kindness of your heart, it, it, there seems to be you're going to get the follow through. Yeah, um, it, it seems to me that also it's the kind of thing where, yeah, you're you're doing it out of the kindness of your heart and your own interest and curiosity in this particular field because you might learn something and you know I'm sure it's interesting for you as well. I do have to admit there is a, a large part of this that is for my own personal gain mm-hmm. to learn about the paranormal. Uh, yeah. myself. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who said, you know, 
I really want to believe in ghosts, but I'm not going to until I see one. And the likelihood of, of seeing a ghost for the average person might not be very high. But if you're actually in these locations where things have been seen or felt or experienced, you know, you might yeah. be raising your, your likelihood of, of actually experiencing it yourself, which to me would be pretty interesting. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And, and you, you know that uh, the people experience events in different ways. Yes. And, and yes. I, I tell my clients this all the time. Um, and, and it's, it's something, um, I heard from, and, and, and I'm borrowing it from Lloyd Auerbach. Oh yeah. Um, we like Lloyd. <laughs> a, yeah. Yep. He's para, parapsychologist, not mm-hmm. a paranormal investigator, parapsychologist. Uh, you're, you know who Lloyd is. Yeah. We actually interviewed him. Uh, I'll, I'll find the episode and, and link it in the show notes. <laughs> Great. I. Uh, he he'll tell you that um and and so i'm paraphrasing um the, the and so I, I i might get it wrong but so i'll just paraphrase mm-hmm. uh, there are 10 people in a room and and a ghost appears out of those 10 people only 5 may uh notice something okay. and out of out of those 5 two may see something oh wow Two may hear something. Okay. And one may just feel something is out of place. Okay. Yeah, that makes and sense. The other five didn't notice anything at all. Mm-hmm. So the way that we perceive things as individuals is different as well. Yeah, so absolutely. There can, be, there can be an entity standing right in front of you and I can be standing right next to each other. There can be an entity standing right in front of us and you may see it and I may not. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it, it, it's, uh, and this is, um, this is again, paraphrasing Lloyd, who I have a great deal of respect for, um, the, the way that we perceive things and, and it goes back to, um, uh, what I, uh, I put a lot of emphasis on, and that's, uh, and you'll hear me talk about it, the personal experience. Um, uh, the personal experience being so important, we perceive it differently individually. So, yes, you'll believe it when you see it, but if you uh, are, if you have a preconceived notion mm-hmm. on ghosts, you may never see one. <laughs> So if you have an open mind, you have a likelier, likely, you have a more likely, uh, you have a likelier chance of seeing one. Uh, if you are looking too hard, you have a likelier chance of seeing one as well. Uh, but if you just plain old don't believe in them at all, you can find an explanation for just about anything. That's right. And just for the for the audience, the episode that we did with Lloyd Auerbach was episode 27. Um, that was our parapsychology fact versus fiction, one of our first parapsychology episodes. And it's a real interesting one. You can check out at othersidepodcast.com slash 27. I'm going to check that out myself, Wendy. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. I love Lloyd. Um, He's real interesting. His, one of his first books that he published, um, if you look at it, was published out of Minneapolis. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah. I didn't realize so, that. <laughs> So I, I, and he lives, he lives in California. Um, 
And I'm not quite sure if Lloyd is originally from Minneapolis or not, but, oh, huh. but uh, one one of the one of the first books he published is is out of Minneapolis. I was looking this Christmas on my wish list for uh, things that I wanted. Of course, I wanted a stack of books. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I I got uh, Dustin Perry's book uh, this year. Um, I got uh, a book by John Zaffis this year. And uh, some other some other paranormal books, and uh, uh, I had a couple of Lloyd Auerbach's books mm. on that uh, on that list as well. So that's quite a library you have there of yeah <laughs> paranormal my research. Paranormal library, my paranormal library is is big and it's growing. And uh, with the internet, it's more it's more like bookmarks now. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Well. It's it's great that there are so many resources so conveniently available to people through the internet now. I mean, it's amazing. Like we were saying that uh, the website that you're working through, I mean, in the past, if you had an experience, what would you do? You can't just call Ghostbusters, right? <laughs> Who are you going to call? I don't even know where I would, I would have started, but obviously now with the internet, just right. start with Google. <laughs> but well, um, it's, yeah, it, it's you know, nice. Word of mouth and... Um you know, uh, people like Lloyd were working back in the eighties doing stuff like that. Um, and, uh, he, Lloyd was doing in-home investigations in the eighties, uh-huh. uh, which, um, you know, he ran into a lot of trouble with, uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't spooky enough for the, for the, uh, producers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if talked about that at all, uh, mm-hmm. because it, it, this was before night vision cameras, before, uh, oh gosh. Before, it, yeah. So you so, can't even and, see the, the reactions on the people's faces as the, the terror strikes them. Right. <laughs> but Lloyd, Lloyd was trying to do what we should all try to do. And that's recreate the personal experiences as, as, as best we can to try to recreate the event, to see if we can get it to happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, to make it as scientific as possible. And, um, but, uh, in order to make it television friendly, um, they <laughs> wanted the lights dimmer and uh, things of that nature. And, um, so, yeah, the uh, Hollywood had, spin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had that trouble early on. And, um, mm. his, his interest was in, his interest was in the, uh, the subject. And that's uh, what what I call the client is is technically called the subject. Oh, okay. So um, the subject of the experience, right? So. And so you're this really goes along with the the scientific method of you know you go in with a hypothesis or something that you're trying to either prove or disprove or you know like you mm-hmm. said what your client is looking for whatever their objective of the the mission. Yeah. And then you go about trying to to. Get, gather the evidence to either prove or disprove. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a, um, uh, I don't go in with any preconceived notions. I just go in with, um, with whatever my client's goal is, and I try to achieve their goal. Okay. I try to keep preconceived notions away from my investigation. Yeah, and that goes along with what you were saying before, where a lot of times people have such a closed mind. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to experience it. Or it's too far open. Mm, I see. I, that that hmm. That's a problem, too. 
I wouldn't have guessed that, but <laughs> I, I well, I here here's the thing. I mean, if we we have to be objective, but we can't we we also have to be evidence-based. Ah. Realistic, so, yeah. And and so when I say too open, I don't mean I don't mean it in the way where um you're not accepting. Uh-huh. What I mean is what I mean is we need to be we need to be a little bit more evidence based um and not not if if a client makes a claim i believe that 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 they experienced that however i've got i need i need to obtain some evidence to yeah. hopefully back back that up so now I'm curious, we did talk about the, the EVPs, which for the listeners who don't know, that's uh, yeah. electronic voice phenomenon. Electronic you, voice phenomenon. And that's uh, where you were saying before that you make it uh, an audio recording and sometimes they'll ask questions and then later on you listen back and you try to enhance the audio and pick up if there's any sounds yes. or voices or anything. Yes. What other types yes. of evidence do you typically gather when you're on an investigation in addition to the, the EVPs? Well, we will, the, uh, big ones are, are video evidence. Uh, we will, uh, uh, set up a, uh, a camera that would be just somewhere that, that sits in one spot for the entire session. And we will have one that we carry around as we are going through uh, a home or a location. Okay. So we try to capture video evidence and usually, um, if not always, that will also have audio on it. Ah. Uh, I personally always carry much like, um, you have there with you, um, mm. a, a video recorder, uh, which is my personal audio recorder, that I keep in, in one hand, one ah, hand is dedicated to that. Um, so, um, so we've got audio, we've got video, and then we also are measuring, um, the electromagnetic frequencies in the air. Okay. Now it is believed that when an entity, a ghost per se manifests, that a change in the electromagnetic field will take place. Okay. And this can be measured through um, a couple of different devices. You can use an EMF detector that will directly measure the level of EMFs, um, or a K2 will uh, measure that um, just based on different levels. um, They're set levels. Okay. There's a light for uh, a certain level. And as those uh, uh, levels go up, another light will come on. So so there's a... So you're looking for uh, spikes from from the normal like baseline reading. Correct. Which makes sense. If if a ghost were to manifest itself, you're looking for a change in the electromagnetic field. So you're looking for a reading on an EMF uh, detector, um, uh, which uh, is uh, 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 a normal home 
when you walk around is anywhere from a point zero to a point one. Uh, you get near a light socket that can change to, you know, uh, you know, two, okay. two point two point five up to up to ten. Wow. Okay. Uh, so now if you're just standing somewhere and you're holding that and um you ask a question and that changes from a point one, let's say, to a point nine, and you are unable to find a, a source uh, of electricity around you that would explain that, then maybe um, that something else maybe is causing it. <laughs> something else is causing it. Same with the K2 meter. That, that just deals, there are lights on the K2 meter and it deals with a different, a slightly different uh, uh, area of the electromagnetic field but very similar. Okay. So now I'm curious. I, I'm wondering, what is the most compelling evidence that you've seen an entity or, or presence was on an investigation with you? Or have you seen anything that really registered? Or <laughs> Well, uh, I, was just, uh, I, I was just on another show uh, on, on Saturday, and someone asked me what was the, the scariest thing. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> That, I, that that ever happened to me and um, uh, it was it was quite compelling um, as well uh, orbs are thought to be uh, balls of energy which some believe in and some don't mm -hmm. um, uh, they can be um, uh, dust particles they can be bugs and <laughs> As you um, as you get better and better at reviewing video, you can tell the difference. Ah, okay, that's interesting because because we definitely we talk about orbs a lot on here, and my my co-host Mike is definitely not. He thinks it's dust and reflections and stuff, but it's very it, it, it's a matter of contention with a lot of it people. is. <laughs> However, this this wasn't a single. Or um, I saw there was a camera on me. Okay, it was someone else's camera, and uh, we were in a, a location, and I was in a hallway, and I was uh, reviewing the video for the first time, so I had not put it uh, in a program. I had not enhanced it in any way. It was just uh, I was just replaying it in uh windows media player okay that was the only thing i was using and it had been downloaded directly from um a sony camcorder okay not a typical sony camcorder but a sony camcorder nonetheless i was uh surrounded and by surrounded i don't mean um covered like uh like uh and you can see me but your listeners can't mm -hmm. i don't like it was snowing but i do mean um there were um say 10 to 15 Whoa. orbs 
that were surrounding my body and they were moving ever so slightly. Okay, that's pretty spooky. <laughs> it pushed my chair back while I was reviewing and I contemplated quitting paranormal investment. Wow. Period. So, Period. I wh- almost stopped doing what I had been doing for, uh, for uh, what I had been researching for many, many, many years yeah. and what I had been doing for, for several years. And uh, I just, uh, as I thought more about it, uh, I, I just, uh, uh, I came to believe that it was a positive thing mm-hmm. and that there was uh, uh that it was a that it was a i had i used prayer as a form of protection prior to going into any uh investigation uh i'm a i'm a christian and i use uh the bible and i use prayer uh as my form of protection everybody does does theirs different mm-hmm. That's the requirement for being a paranormal investigator but i i don't i don't know any paranormal investigators that don't use some form of protection uh some i i I know i know uh, wiccans that that do paranormal investigations and and i know catholics i know atheists but they all do some something Mm. uh meditation whatever, whatever it is um i use prayer and and the main purpose is to protect me while I'm there and so that I don't bring home anything negative. Ah, sure. That makes sense. I have a family. Yeah. And I don't want to bring home anything <laughs> no. negative from the location. No, no, definitely not. I have a question for you regarding... So when you saw that the video with the orbs or, yeah. around you, do you remember at that point in the investigation experiencing anything else? you know, at the same time as when those orbs were there? Good question. That was what was so troubling to me was that uh, I remember that that portion of the filming because I you, I don't wait to get on uh, my evidence. I, I, I jump right on it. When mm-hmm. I, um, some people are uh, busier than others yeah. and... And also, some people wait a little longer than others. Uh, I tend to to review it as fast as I can, so it's fresh in my mind. Yeah, that seems like it would be good to have, while well, you could remember what happened at the specific points along the investigation. My caseload is, is a little high, but I still uh, try to do at least a cursory review immediately. Okay. Uh, if something stands out, um, I'm, I'm going to want to at least jump on that right yeah. away so um and i can review audio while i'm um uh, just walking around I, I can download it and and uh, put it on my tablet and just walk around with it uh i can put it in the car and mm. listen but um i'm not uh, it just for a cursory review as long as it's quiet and clear uh, I, for a cursory review, that's, that's mm-hmm. okay. 
it's not um it's not a good full study and it shouldn't it shouldn't be the yeah. final shouldn't be the f- used as the final uh uh final uh, you know the review yeah i would say i go over things about three times that, wow. that point in the investigation i remember very clearly i don't remember feeling anything huh that's interesting I hear anything out of the ordinary nobody said anything to me hmm. and the, i talked to the person that was filming it mm-hmm. they didn't no they don't remember huh. they don't remember that at all wow well that's almost as interesting as if something had you know because you almost expect like oh I had a weird feeling or I saw something, you know, but, but to say for you to acknowledge that it was a point when you didn't have anything else happening is, is kind of a a good testament to your, to your honesty and your factual approach. Filming it has seen it and they can see it. Mm -hmm. They can see it now. Um, they have, they acknowledged that they weren't, uh, paying attention when they were, me. They weren't paying attention mm-hmm. either to to me at that time. I'm sure when you do an investigation, there are a lot of periods of time like that where you know you can't have your your high concentration focus on all the time. Sometimes you'll give if 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 you've got a camera. Sometimes you'll give the camera to someone else and they'll uh, and say you know here take this camera and you'll walk down a corridor. Okay. And they'll film. And when they're doing that. Uh, that could have been a period of time where someone was uh, adjusting the viewfinder at that point. Um, in this particular case, it w- this person was just not looking at all. Okay. That's pretty interesting, but it, it was weird enough and scary enough that it... it... I almost was not... Wow. I would not have been talking to you right now had I not come to terms with it. Hmm. Because it was not, I was not comfortable with it in any way. I was not comfortable with it. It was very unsettling because I, I was not, I was not an orb guy. (laughs) You were saying that, that you, you have someone that's not an orb person. Yeah. Well, my co-host, Mike, my bandmate, we talk, we talk about this all the time and he's, he's kind of in the, in the non, non orb camp. (laughs) I'm not an orb guy wasn't uh-huh. or, uh for the longest time until you know the evidentiary i uh, i i i couldn't ignore uh certain aspects of of orbs yeah now do i think orbs are overblown yes i do mm-hmm. I, orbs are way overblown yeah. i can explain i can explain eight out of ten <laughs> orbs that you see on 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 TV, I can explain them. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind but, of I'm kind of with you there. I haven't. I don't know if I've ever seen one that I really thought you know I couldn't explain. I guess like yeah, I've I've had them appear and I've I've kind of thought like oh cool. I kind of hope that's something cool. And we, my band has had them appear in our footage um, at unique points in time and stuff. And I think oh well, you know maybe that's something. But but then I. Maybe it's also just a bug that flew by. <laughs> I've seen one um, that, uh, and you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll email you. This was uh, one done by uh, another investigator. 
during investigation where a an orb comes flying over the back of someone's head. It comes, it hits them in the chest, and it's a white ball. And uh-huh. then that white ball hits them in the chest. Then it turns into a uh, dark color, and it seems to explode from the chest. Wow. Oh, gosh. I I can send you the the video. Yeah, I'd be curious to see that because that that doesn't sound like something a bug would. (laughs) During the time they were doing a uh, a clearing. So the guy had the the guy had a a Bible in his hand and um, this same location. um, This was someone else's investigation. um, They had set a cross up in a window and the uh it, it had christ on a cross mm. riveted in brass and the cross was wood and the uh the uh <laughs> the brass cross the, the brass piece came flying off the cross and oh they've never it. and what um, they never never recovered they they haven't been able to find it okay see yeah. that's that's <laughs> That to me is compelling. <laughs> that's a, yeah. That's a, a a team that that uh, I work with uh, on occasion here in Minnesota. Um, that's uh, that was during that same investigation. Wow. Um, there was uh, some demonic activity in the house. They actually had a a, a demonologist in there at the time. But oh, wow. uh, so this this orb that I saw in that one, that one was strange too. Um, uh, the way it acted was, um, that one, maybe show your co-host and, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> him his opinion on that one. Um, and see what he thinks about that. Um, I've got my, my own opinion on that, okay. but that even, that one even, um, confused, Everyone that was there and the combined experience of the investigators there, hmm. it, I, I, I don't, I don't even know how to count the years because wow. I don't know how many of them were there, but I know several of the investigators that were there. I was, I was not there, but <laughs> I just saw the video. It was, it, it's very compelling. Something I always wonder about paranormal investigators and, and you were talking about doing clearings and that type of thing. Um, do you ever like stay in touch with the people that you work with on these things. Cause it, it seems like such a, a deeply personal experience that you're sharing. And I mean, it just seems like for everybody to go through that together and get through it, uh, you'd almost form a relationship or friendship or some kind of, Oh, the, the investigators, the investigators or the, the clients, or, I mean, just everybody involved, I guess. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I do. Uh, I've, uh, I've developed, uh, some deep friendships with, uh, with both, um, clients and, and with the, uh, with the, uh, other investigators, it is, it is something you do, you do share when you share a personal experience with someone, for instance, uh, an investigation, uh, a week, week and a half ago, uh, another investigator and myself, both, uh, heard a voice and it was it was just him and i that heard, heard the voice and um 
that was uh you know it would it, that was one experience that that we had and um yeah you you do you do share that that experience and i can't tell you uh how much uh i appreciate mm. the the help when i've asked uh, other teams for help uh and they've come in and helped me and likewise um i've been asked uh for help and and I come in and help them. Hmm. It's a community, and um, we we should all stay together uh, in in and be a community. Has it uh, that was part of my Periscope last Sunday oh, that's too? Cool. Has it, has it become less than the para unity that everybody talks about? Yeah, hmm. it has. People are not as busy as they were because of your wonderful article about um, too many too many ghost hunters. <laughs> so people are folding yeah. up up and and so um, there's some infighting, but the true professionals are um, soldiering on. <laughs> yeah, and and we're sticking together and we're forming friendships and it's going beyond, um, it's going beyond, um, uh, it's, it's, it's lunch dates now instead yeah. of just our normal investigations. That's and cool. Things like that. Well, so, it, yeah, actually just thinking about it now, it kind of reminds me of the music community. Mike and I are in a band that's been together for a long, long time. And we find yeah. that, you know, you guys have your experiences with, with, investigations and clearings and things like that. And it's a lot like us with the experiences we have with other bands and other audience members where, you know, we're sharing something very special, uh, the emotional bond that music brings. And sometimes it might just be a couple experiences, but you feel like these people are, are your close friends or like family almost. So it seems like oh, a very yeah. similar, similar kind of parallel there. <laughs> yeah. And you are, uh, you're, you're opening yourself up. Uh, in in a very deep way, yeah, uh, for sure. And and you're opening yourself up uh, to critique, um, and that can be that can if you're if you're thin skinned, that can be tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you're um, comfortable in your own skin and you're uh, confident in what you do, people can can see that and they gravitate towards that and they will want to be around you. So you will get, you will get phone calls and you will get invites to different events and, and things of that nature. So mm. yeah, that's very cool. I've formed some wonderful friendships. Uh, if you look at my Twitter, um, uh, a lot of my tweets have nothing to do with the paranormal. <laughs> uh, they are just, uh, people that I talk to all across the United States, the friendships that I've formed that are just, there's a lot, there's more hearts than there are words. That's really great. I, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> and like that. I've just got a couple more questions for you because this hour has really flown by. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Matt, you were just talking about your Twitter and uh, what is your Twitter so people can, can reach you? I am at Matt Jesso, and that's spelled J E S S 
Oh. Okay, great. And I will make sure and link that in our show notes as well so people can find you. And you have a Periscope that you said was every Sunday at 5 Central Time? Yep. Every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central Time. I'm not always on time, but it's always right (laughs) around time. And I do usually uh, give a little bit of warning when I'm getting set up. Cool. And my my followers usually... uh, are so wonderful. They'll send out a tweet, uh, and retweet and let everybody know that I'm about to go live. And you'll know because it's called the Paracave. Oh, right. The Paracave. That's that, that cozy little space that's, you have to run through the cold to get to. (laughs) Hashtag Paracave Periscope. So when the Paracave, uh, Periscope is about to go live, you'll see, um, you'll see some, um, some uh a little bit of notice coming up that it that it's about to go live and i uh, sometimes don't know what i'm going to uh, talk about until that day mm-hmm. and sometimes i might switch it an hour before i go on great so it's a spontaneous kind of event which is what periscope is great for <laughs> yeah yeah it's what whatever's in my whatever's in my heart whatever's on my mind Excellent. Well, I have one more question for you. And when we were corresponding by email, you mentioned that you're a metalhead. So I have to ask, who's your favorite metal band? Five Finger Death Punch is, <laughs> All right. uh, is, is, is by far my favorite current metal band. Okay. And uh, um, my old school Pantera. Oh, yeah. All right. Is my favorite. Okay. Um, Excellent. But I got, I got started on Metallica. All right. Well, you're you're one of us then, because Mike and I, uh, back in 1996, we drove to Iowa to see Metallica at Lollapalooza yeah. and <laughs> did the whole camping out thing. And uh, but we're right there with you. We like we like us our metal. I've got a a, uh, a it actually it actually says uh, "Long Live Rock and Roll." My shirt. Excellent. Right Excellent. I'm on it right now. So that's great. Uh, yep. And uh, no, I'm a fully I'm a fully <laughs> tattooed um, metalhead that uh, that uh, just just happens to be a, a paranormal investigator and just happens to be happen to be a, a, a family guy too. And uh, a little of everything, no. well rounded. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. It's been great having you on the show. And we'll have show notes with all the links and things that we talked about at othersidepodcast.com slash 76. And we'll be following you and seeing what kind of cool things you're up to. So please keep in touch with us. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Well, I thought that uh, Matt Jesso was a pretty interesting guy. Yeah, I did too. I did too. It was neat to hear his whole story and how he got interested and um, he was inspired by, you know, pop culture itself. The Exorcist, the movie that terrified all of us. Right. And the thing is, you know, when the, the 1970s really was a, a, a fertile breeding ground for, I think, people who are really interested in researching the paranormal. because it Yeah, it, curiosity. It came out, you know, it kind of came onto its own, I think, as a, you know, when you say you're going to be a paranormal investigator. It, it came out of, the, uh, of just religion into mm-hmm. um, something else, I think, in, in, those, in, in that decade, uh, where maybe with people are investigating, doing things in the 1930s, or even earlier than that, um, 
there was always a religious aspect to it. There was spiritualism and mediums and, and somehow connected to Christianity or a priest or, or things. And then it started to give uh, just a little more quote-unquote science to it in the 70s. And, and I think those of us born in that decade or interested in the pop culture and the paranormal from that decade kind of took it and ran with it as its own thing versus something religious. Exactly. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. In the interview, we talked about a particular orb footage. Yes. Which, which Matt sent along for, for you to check out, Mike. And so I'm curious as to your opinion of after watching that footage, was it compelling to you? No. <laughs> Just, I, I mean, okay. well, I mean, the thing is, was it a bug? Probably not. But so many orbs happen at random times with digital cameras. I think if it had happened on a, uh, like a VHS camera or a film camera, yeah, you would have said like, okay, I don't know where this anomaly came from. And that's the tough part with digital cameras because they seem to capture way more anomalies yeah. than... Well, uh, th- than film or, or VHS video. Did. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, because you're dealing with sensors and circuit boards, and there's there's many places for for things to there's pop a, up. <laughs> a glitch in the matrix, you know. Like, but right. you know, I was, I was thinking about it. I mean, it's pretty cool. It is cool, and I watched it, and I'll put the link to it in, a, in the yeah. show notes at othersidepodcast.com/slash/seventy-six. It is pretty awesome looking. It's it's very strange. That one is not the typical just you know, blob floating in and out of this, the picture. And, and you do see, I mean, the thing is the camera, the camera moves a little bit and then you, you do see the movement of something, of something in there, like a speck of dust or, I, I mean, I, you don't know exactly what it is. And I, I was right. thinking about this because we had a, you know, we had a, a similar orb happen when we were doing a podcast from the um, auditorium at our guitar player's high school where he teaches. Right. And we were, uh, and we were, we were, playing piano, recording piano in the auditorium for our song, Stardust. And I was doing a podcast and I had my phone. I was going back and forth and we were joking around. And later on, I'm looking at the footage and there's an amazing, like I'd never seen an orb, like the movement, you know, through the, it was bright and it just, you're like, holy cow, like how did that even happen? And there was nothing paranormal about the, the moment or what we were doing or anything like that. I mean, except we were playing the song paranormally well. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd say... But I do think that, I mean, maybe digital's better at capturing those things if, if there was some paranormal aspect to it. But it is, com- it is exciting to see more visual anomalies. The problem is, is that there's way too many mundane explanations for them. Yeah, that's true. You know, the Occam's razor, where they say it's usually the simplest explanation that's true. I think in a few years, we'll finally figure out what causes all these orbs and digital cameras. Right, and as soon as we find out that they're ghosts... Right. That'll make life a lot easier for everyone. Yeah, a lot easier. <laughs> Things will move a lot more smoothly. <laughs> no, but I think we're going to figure out like where a lot of this stuff comes from technology-wise. Because it is a thing that it is digital cameras where orbs show up constantly with regular film. They didn't. Yeah, right. So, um, well, I, you know, I was I'm much more compelled by EVPs. Okay. Because I find EVPs are... I mean, I know that we're looking for speech in things, but it just, you know, we've done, I've done so much recording and had microphones go off and had to listen, especially in the podcast, you know, 30 seconds or a minute of silence. And I've heard that so often when, you know, I'm yeah. scrubbing and working on audio and audio files 
and there's, I never hear anything random. You know what I mean? I, I almost never hear anything right. like whispering like, get out of here or something like that when I'm just recording. You know, and we record every single day. We're recording yep. something. And so mm -hmm. I, I, that's why I find EVPs compelling because I'll see that. Well, that's, that's a good sign that you don't have ghosts hanging around you while you're recording, Mike. That's you work on songs and stuff. That's exactly right. And maybe I could use some of that paranormal inspiration. <laughs> All right. But that's usually, I mean, that's one, one of the reasons I find EVPs more compelling just because I almost never hear anything randomly. While I take a lot of pictures and a lot of videos in the course of all the media production that we've done, you know, over the past 20 years, and I'll often see visual anomalies in digital that I never saw when we were making stuff with videotape. All right. So that's my personal opinion, but do I hope it's something paranormal? Well, you bet. I hope that's a, <laughs> when the guy was holding the cross and t I was hoping that was a ghost that came in and, you know. Always hope. Yes. But uh, anyway, I thought Matt Jessa was a real interesting guy. Me too. I like the fact that he doesn't charge or isn't looking to make money. Yeah. He just wants to try to find the truth. And, you know, I think that's an important thing. Because we're dealing in such esoteric knowledge, well, more than that, we're dealing in such speculation. You know, the people that are looking for money for these things. That makes me a little uncomfortable some of the <laughs> some of the time because it's like it's all you know your pain. It's like calling Miss Cleo on the psychic hotline. Right. If you just call in to talk, it's one thing. But if somebody tells you they see the future uh, and they charge you money for it, well, they damn well better be right. Yes, indeed. Well, one thing I really liked about the conversation I had with Matt was how he explained how he used knowledge and his search for the truth to abolish some of the fears that he had as a child uh, from scary movies and things like that. And we can keep that in mind as adults, too, that if something of the unknown frightens us, just look for that knowledge, look for that truth, and the more you know, the less you might be afraid of it. The song is called Paranormal Sleuth.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Get out.